On this episode of AV Week, we talk about the New York Digital Signage Week, NSCA's brand new technical assessment tool, and TV One has a new female CEO. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like HD Base T. This is AV Week, episode 220, recorded Friday, November 6th, 2015. Testing, one, two, three. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this week uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, weighing in at probably 105 pounds soaking wet, Mr. <laughs> Phil Cordell, also known as High Five from M3 Technology. How are you, sir? Great. Glad to be here. Just reached my personal goal of 115. Thank you, good. Tim. Very mm-hmm. good. Pretty exciting. I was going to do a whole Andy Kaufman-like wrestling thing, but I'm not going to because I'm not going to say how much I weigh. Uh, and neither is, am I going to say how much Chris Netto weighs because we hung out in New York yep. and I know how much sushi we put down on Monday. Uh, Chris Netto <laughs> from uh, AV Help Desk. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to see that uh, Phil has moved up from uh, featherweight to welterweight. Is it bantamweight? Uh, 115. Bantamweight. Bantamweight. That's it. He and Ronda Rousley are going are going round and round next week. So mm-hmm. I would not fight her. <laughs> I would neither not, would I. I would not fight her either. She'd kick my ass. Uh, somebody else could kick my ass. Is Melissa Dillman? How are you? <laughs> you? See what I did there? I was wondering how you're going to segue that, Tim. I'm doing great. How are you guys? I am doing well. She's, of course, from Kramer, uh, trainer extraordinaire. I actually get to hang out with her uh, a couple weeks um, at the AQAV event uh, in Champaign, Illinois, home of the uh, the Fighting Illini. So, uh, I, I kind of half mentioned the fact that Chris and I got to hang out hang out this week in New York. Uh, we got to do a couple things for New York Digital Signage Week. If you're interested in that. Uh, and in what we did, we did a live broadcast from the Dactronic Studios in Times Square, no less. Holy cow. Uh, you have to say that with Times Frickin' Square. Times Frickin' Square. It was really neat. It there really was. And the shot was really cool. Just ignore the fat guy in the middle in the suit and look at, you know, all the really cool digital digital signage that's going on. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a second. But go to our YouTube page. Um or the website where we'll have a, a link to the YouTube page, but that really is where, where all the cool stuff is. We got to talk with Dactronics, Digital Science Federation, Show and Tell, um, our, our friend uh, Adrian Cottrell from Daily Do. Um, so yeah, check that out if you would, please. Uh, all right, hey, let's get this show on the road. Um, you know what? Let's just kick it off with, with actually that, with Digital Signage Week. Um, Chris, I asked you this on the program. I'll ask you this again. We're AV folks, right? Now, lots of smart folks, lots of smart people have written about digital signage in this space and, and integrators in this space getting involved in digital signage. Um, talked to Jim at 
uh, Dactronics about how integrators can get involved with them specifically because sometimes they're they're listed almost as the the AV general contractor, you know, and how how uh, mm-hmm. integrators can partner with them. Not for nothing, but why were we there? Why were we at, at Digital Signage Week this week? <laughs> I've, I've often asked the, that same question to myself. What were we doing? There? What were we doing on Times Square? Why were you, the representative of Midwest America, sitting there having coffee with a big LED board behind you and a great picture, I might add? Um, what were we? What were we doing there? It's very simple. Um, you know, the the digital signage world in the in our world of corporate AV or commercial AV has pretty much been relegated to the TV in the, in the box. And that's pretty much where we've left it. Um, I think there's curiosity on our part as AV Nation to dig deeper. I mean, we've had discussions regarding the scoreboard at Wrigley Field. We've yep. had conversations about, you know, uh, I mentioned on the program, the ooh and ah and the wow. I mean, what me and you do, Tim, on a daily basis of working in conference rooms uh, doesn't get a lot of oohs and ahs, but man, you walk down Times Square, that is just a big old advertisement. Not just for, obviously the 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 companies that that purchase these mega LED boards, but it's a very good um, representation of AV and what we can do as an industry. I mean, a lot of that stuff wasn't possible. Uh, it it was it, it it wasn't as wow as it is now. Put it to you that way. Um, you know, back in the days of the jumbotrons, you were limited in the size and the capacity, and you know, you'd have the the bezels and all that sort of stuff that were blocking these things from getting bigger. Man, these things are looking more and more seamless. And we were up close to a lot of them, being up uh, a couple floors and right in the face of some of them. Uh, you could see on our video, we're getting a suntan from from just about every angle in that uh, in that space. But um, yeah, there there is a purpose for us being there in the sense that. Um, it is our people that are working, installing those things on the back end. Um, you know, we are still working with manufacturers. Uh, the mount manufacturers are still building the frames for these LED boards to be put up. Um, you know, you're, you're still talking about people who are putting together the video processors to make this thing all work and the seamless switching and, and all that. But one of the things that came out loud and clear, uh, for me sitting there, this, this, uh, this past week is no matter what we do, no matter how how big and pretty and how we mount this stupid thing and, and get it up there fixed, um, none of it matters unless you have the right content going. Yeah. And that is the big draw. It has to be the content. And no better example of content than when you're looking at a 60, 70 foot long board, you know, that says what, that's rolling a PowerPoint presentation? Because <laughs> typically that's what we would be telling our customers to do. Put a couple PowerPoint slides up. Well, and, and that was the other thing is is we talked with Stephanie from from uh, Show and Tell, uh, who actually came from from Dactronics originally as a, as a content creator and content manager. And one of the interesting points that she made was you can't just take a thirty second commercial and slap it up on a digital signage. It just doesn't work, right? The 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 medium is different. Who you're talking to is different. How you're talking to them is different. Let's start with the most obvious thing of there's no speakers, right? And I mean, and what's interesting is so if if you're familiar with Times Square, um, and again I am I am the typical big wood big dumb Midwesterner. Uh, I think I've been to New York twice in my life. Both of them have been this year. Um, you're standing and you're looking at the where the ball drops. 
on the right hand side, like literally right there, there's the, the New York Police Department substation right there. On the right hand side, there is a um, Hard Rock Cafe. We were like two or three stories above the Hard Rock Cafe there, right there. So we're literally like right across the street from the Revline sign, from H&M, from a lot. After our conversation with with uh, the folks at, at Dactronics and Show and Tell and everybody, I'm walking down, down Times Square, uh, the street, and there's this big giant M&M shop, right? Uh, right across the street from, from Hershey's. And what are they doing? M&M They're showing stinking commercials on their freaking digital signage. They're doing exactly what she said not to do. Um, you know, now you've seen them enough that you can you can imagine the, the, the voices in your head, at least I can. Um, but it's still, it's exactly what she's saying not to do. And then you're looking at the other ones, like the Toys R Us one, which is not... Um, not trying to talk to you without speakers. They're doing a very good job of communicating their message with visuals and, and with, with, with graphics and with, with uh, CG and stuff. So, um, Phil, as, a, as an integrator, as somebody who's, who may or may not have, you know, trying to get into this, your stuff personally, but as an integrator, how, how do you handle projects? Maybe not like Times Square, but, you know, let's be honest, Nashville has their, their own set of, of you know, the, um, what's it called the Music Mile, where you guys have got a lot of, you know, not as much as, as Times Square, but you have a fair amount of digital signage in the city. Uh, either that or when you're talking about wayfinding in education or mass notification in education, how do you guys manage some of these projects? Very interesting, Phil. It's incredibly interesting. I have no idea what you're saying. You see, that, that's effective digital signage content, you know, where you feel what I'm saying, but you can't hear it. Uh, I find ASL to be highly effective uh, interpretive dance. Very, very nice. Very well content. done, ASL. Uh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, you, we know that digital signage is one of those kind of tangential industries to our own, that it's so close to what we do that we do it sometimes, you know. Uh, but I, I also know that there are other companies that like that's their thing. You know, that's yeah. all they do, uh, and they're better at it, I think, than your average integrator, as anybody is that focuses as opposed to trying to do a little bit of everything. The approach we've taken is trying to, to hone in on a couple products or a couple, a couple manufacturers to partner with so that when somebody says, hey, do you guys do digital signage? We say, well, this is typically what we do. You know, we've got, uh, you know, some, some carousel stuff, tightrope, uh, or, or, you know, maybe the, there was a planar solution we were using for a while that, that people really liked. It was simple, uh, easy to use. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, we're trying to get into it a little bit more and more, but we've got, you know, account managers that work here at M3 that go to Digital Signage Expo every year, you know, and, and we know that there's this huge industry that we're just scratching the surface of as AV integrators. Uh, you know, when you get into content creation, I mean, we could hire a, a guy, you know, out of, out of school uh, with a graphic design background and have him making content, you know, 40 hours a week for us and, and probably pursue that as a, as a business model. But we haven't because, you know, that's, that's kind of a big, a big leap to make without having the business in the bag, you know? Is that something then that you, you subcontract out then is the content or you let, well, or you let the client do it? Yeah. Typically we, we kind of train the client so that they can, they can do it themselves. Now there's the interactive wayfinding that you mentioned, you know, we've partnered with four wins on, uh, on some projects at some universities around the state on that stuff. 
but again, the people that are good at content, that's practically all they do. They're not measuring for sound pressure levels. You know, they're not no. doing all the other stuff that we do as AV integrators. They're doing digital signage. They're doing content creation. Well, and, and here's the, not to be silly, but they also understand you know the pixel density and the, and the the graphical limitations of these things, right? I mean, yes, you and I could do the math and say, okay, you know what, we have X amount of pixels in this specific installation. Uh, I'm trying to I'm being careful about how I'm saying this because it's not just a 16 by 9 screen you're throwing up there, right? Each one of these is unique. Each one of these is different because you can do so many interesting and unique things with them. Uh, Definitely. If I can't design it on my light bright, then I'm not interested. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> ASL and light bright, all from the same guy. Okay. <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> from a manufacturer standpoint. Wow. Uh, yeah. How are you going to follow that up? Um, how do you... Um, how do you keep on top of all this stuff? Uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, with with both Dactronics and also uh, Atrium Control was the resolution issues, right? Um, you know, as, as each of these boards are, are getting refreshed out, depending on where they are in the cycle, you know, the next iteration of these will probably start pushing for or 8K. Um, that means that the video processing is going to have to handle that and the topology is going to have to handle that and the carriers are going to have to handle that. And I'm, again, trying to be careful because I'm not going to say the cabling, I'm not going to say the fiber. However they're getting that signal there is going to have to handle XK, right? How do you guys stay on top of that stuff? Well, you know, you have uh, really intelligent folks that sit in a closet somewhere and that's all they do, right, is, is they figure this out. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Kramer, by far and away, uh, the stuff, you, you would just love to go be a fly on the wall um, in his office because he's constantly dreaming stuff up. So, I, you know, I think that's that's really, that's for the, the engineers and the guys who are, who are creating all this uh, technology. But I think for digital signage as an AV industry, I think we're really, we uh, have just scratched the surface. There's a lot of opportunity coming to these guys uh, in the very near future, especially with IoT and the whole marketing aspects. So uh, I think it's a pretty exciting time. And, and if I were looking for uh, some verticals, I'd probably be looking at digital signage and how I could have an impact there. Now, real quickly, you, you mentioned IoT. Um, and I'll be the first to admit, I understand enough to be dangerous about Internet of Things. Um, mainly because I have a nest. That's about the extent of my, my knowledge. Um, explain how IoT impacts digital signage for people who don't fully grasp that. So um, I was watching, just to, to refresh myself, I watched Minority Report again, a classic, right? Yes. And what do they have? You walk into a store and on the display... The lady greets you, hello there, Tim, how are you? Are you looking for a sweater to go with those pants you purchased last week, right? Yep. That is so IoT. I mean, the environmental chips that are in our phones, the all of the data that is being passed around, the wearables, all of that is going to start communicating, and advertisers and marketing are certainly the huge drivers of this. So that's where I think it comes into play, you know. Um, the environmental chips now, if it senses that I am in a room that is too hot or humid, it's going to start pumping me information about air conditioners and cooling and, and, you know, things of that that might be of interest. So 
I think we're we're sitting on the edge of something that's going to be uh, really big in the near future. All right, if people let, want to get on par. Let on me par with it. let me let me take this to a side real quick, and then we'll get off the whole digital signage thing. Um, and Melissa, I'm going to start with you, and, and you guys can jump in with your opinions. One of the things that one of the events this week for for New York New York Digital Signage Week was a breakfast. It was coffee and um, and controversy. Uh, with DSF Digital Science Federation, and uh, it, it was neat. They had four uh, panelists up there, plus uh, Ken from uh, the head of of DSF. One of the questions was about that very thing, and whether or not it should be push or pull, right? Pull, sorry, not pool, like you know uh, billiards, but pull. And I'm going to start with you, Melissa, and then as you guys can jump in again. What do you think it should be? whether it's from a privacy standpoint, an advertiser standpoint, a manufacturer standpoint, whatever stance you want to take, should it be push where these things are pushing things to our devices to give us those types of, of information? Or should it be pull where we're like, hey, you know what? I would like that. And if I don't say I want it, then don't give it to me. You know, that's that's an excellent point, but I'm afraid that Pandora's box has already been opened. So it's going to be pushed um, regardless. Yeah, I, I think we have no choice. Okay. Let's face it. Um, you know, the money's in the, in the advertising. It's in the data collection. And we've already signed our rights away to that. I don't see a way that we're going to be able to put it all back in the box. So I think whether we like it or not, it's, it's going to invade our privacy. And I just read a really interesting article that said uh, the future of privacy has a price and only the rich will be able to afford it. Interesting. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Hmm. So do I have to start paying now so that I don't get bombarded? Well, YouTube, I mean, does, let's take uh, YouTube Red, for example. I mean, YouTube just released yep. the, the ability to watch videos without ads. Um, you know, this network, I mean, let's be frank about this. I mean, our network, we, we have underwriters. There's a reason that we use that word. Um, Kramer is one of our underwriters. We don't have ads. We don't have, you know, anything like that. We have a group of, of underwriters, people who find value in what we do that pay for the ability for us to go to DSF, to, for us to go to ISC, to go to Infocom and cover these events for you, the people who listen, you know, um, you know, so yeah, there is a price to be paid for privacy. You, you've got a very good point there. Um, all right, uh, we were going to talk about uh, Barco real quick, Chris. We're going to probably going to jump on on something else here. Um, from AV Network, uh, avnetwork.com, the, the people who give you uh, it's 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 new base, so the people who give you like SCN and AV Technology and and actually Digital Signage uh, Magazine, TV One has named um, well. Denise. Well, Denise, sorry. Um, it took me a second. I, my, I lost my place in the article. Um, Denise as CEO. Uh, now I'm going to say Nimchev is, is how I'm going to pronounce her, um, her last name. As the first female head of TV One. Melissa, I am going to start with you and, and the other three of us, Yahoo's, are probably not going to talk about this at all. Um, as a woman in AV, and this is a subject that we've talked about a lot over the last three or four years, how important is this position and this naming of Denise as the new TV One CEO? Um, you know, I I think that 
it's important based on what she does with it. Um, you know, there's obviously, we've got presidents, owners, we have some high level executives, right? Take a look at uh, Corey Schaefer and Janet FSR. Um, those women are powerhouses in the industry and they go out of their way to give back to women in the industry. So the question is, um, I'm not, you know, I have not met her, but uh, it would be my, my hope that she reaches out to the women in, in, in the industry and helps, um, you know, mentor and guide and, and uh, speak up. I think it's exciting that they, they appointed a woman into the position. All right. Now, let me, I guess, not take issue, but but give you kind of a counterpoint to that. Uh, Jan Sandry, great woman in AV. Corey Schaefer, great woman in AV. Matter of fact, Corey's going to be on, on AV Week next week. Both of them started their companies, though, right? Well, Russ Gintner started the company. Well, Corey, but, but Corey worked with him. Corey closely, worked with yeah. him, yeah. That's why I think this is a little bit more significant, right, than Jan Sandry, right? There's FSR. The S in FSR is Jan, right? So I, I, that's why I think this is kind of even more significant than that by the fact that it's not someone who was involved in in the founding, not someone who was involved in that. Where it's it, they're taking someone who um, they see value in and they see the ability to, to do this. Or am I just not reading that right? Well, let's let's look at it this way. Um, this Denise is you know obviously heading up tv1 that's awesome well placed in our industry her background though she comes from uh, stanley and black and decker which is a little more far removed from our industry so i would be curious as to how she kind of found her way into the industry i mean look at us we all know how we ended up here um but you know moving from black and decker into av uh, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting trip there to take. So you can't you can't rule out. Maybe she was a musician. Maybe she was a roadie. <laughs> maybe point. she was a roadie. <laughs> you never know. That's You never know. Maybe you know. she was a DJ. Yeah. Well, and that's why. That's why I mean, I'm not being facetious. I would kind of like to know how she kind of found her way here because yeah. the rest of us followed the old guys. Well, <laughs> thank you for yourself. I I followed the young guys. So. <laughs> all right um moving on uh our old friends at biamp have an interesting thing to add uh to tessera and its amplifiers now before you go to sleep and say yay amplifiers <laughs> there's talk let's talk about this for a second um here's the thing with, with tessera and if you're not familiar with tessera tessera is is their avb is is their next generation of processors right it's also the one that gives, in my mind, the the biggest chance for TSN slash AVB. Could totally be wrong about this. Who knows? We'll find out in probably a year. Um, but I, in my mind, in the way that they've, they've kind of positioned this product and they've they rolled out this product, it is at least there. Um, Phil, when it comes to this whole networked AV thing, right? Is putting something like an amplifier in that line where you can, and I'm not saying that you can do that with this one, but it, it again, I'm, I'm forecasting here and, and, and I guess um, I, I'm, I'm pushing my own wishes on, on Biamp. And if anybody's listening from Biamp, you should do this. Um, putting something in there where it's 
allows you to take networked AV straight into an amplifier, right? Um, Crown already has that with 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 their the, with the very first TSN um, certified product. The fact that that Biamp is coming out with that and making it work well with with their existing stuff does that make sense or should we leave uh, amplifiers alone in the analog world no I, I absolutely agree with you man that that's just the next logical step in our audio progression um you know i know it makes people feel funny that they don't have analog ins and outs and these products uh you know the specs you can put in they're uh, the same cards that you'd use in their X mods, and that's cool. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, I love. Uh, I mean, we we sell a boatload of Biamp. Uh, we love the Nexia, love the Audio, and big fans of the Tessier product family as well. So uh, I'm I'm really stoked to see how the amps sound, and I expect them to sound good just because we're used to pretty high quality products coming out of Biamp, coming out of Beaverton. So uh, you can mark me down in the category of big fan, hoping it works out great. All right. Uh, Chris, the other side of this is something that I've written about numerous times, and that's um, giving one manufacturer all of your money when it comes to a product or a, when it comes to a project. Does the fact that, that they're going down this, I shouldn't say going down this amplifier line, let's be clear, Biamp has had amplifiers for, for a number of years. This is just the Tessera brand of, of amplifiers. Um, does, does this make sense, you know, keeping, I guess, all of your audio uh, all the way down, at least until you get to the to the speakers um, in one company. Absolutely, it's one. I mean, <laughs> for lack of a better, uh, you know, better term, you know, it's it, there's there's one one person to choke if something goes wrong. I hate that phrase. Um, I you, hate you that phrase. Of, <laughs> yeah, I know you do. It's not accepted in the Midwest, but in here in, in, in the East Coast, it's, <laughs> it's not just awesome. my sensibilities. <laughs> How you like that? Yeah. All right. So wow. you have you you have that, you know. Hey, if it's wrong here, don't blame it on the next thing, because you know I don't know about you guys, but when I get on the phone with tech support, and the first question out of their mouth is, "All right, you got our product. What is it connected to?" And you make the fatal flaw of saying, oh, I have X and it's connected into brand Y. Oh, you can hear the freaking train come to a complete halt because it seems as if they flip open. OK, hold on. Let's go to the other chapter of our book and they turn that over. Yeah, you better call that other guy, too. Well, no, that, that is and the other chapter. You, you have to call now the other person. Have, now you have now you have pretty much just wiped out your schedule for the entire day. That install comes to a halt. As you now go to go sit and and play the referee between two manufacturers who are now trying to finger point each other, so yeah, if you are going to ask me what I would do, I have to play that role of do I put all my eggs in one basket or do I go with the varied stuff? And if something goes wrong, I'm going to be on the phone all day. I'm going to be angry, and somebody better buy me dinner because <laughs> this is going to be, you know, I'm packing a lunch and a freaking sleeping bag because it's going to be an all day event. So. Yeah, man, I have no problem with putting it all into one, you know, if I have an answer for everything. You know, don't blame the other guy. And especially when you start dealing with, with the network technology. I mean, I, you can – I'm sure everybody here can vouch for it that when we started in the early days of IP transporting of, of signal, whether it's video or audio, there was a lot of questions that were brought up regarding – you have to use the right cable. You have to use the right terminators. You have to use our connectors, not their connectors. You have to do this. You have to do that. 
by the time you were done, you were the problem. It wasn't the gear. You, you know, open a window, jump out, dude. You're done. It's not happening. So put them all in one basket. Go with the, the company that's doing the whole thing, and at least you get an answer because there's nobody else to blame until they tell you that you should be using a different type of cable. And then you're back to ground zero. <laughs> or your, or your termination's wrong. Yeah. Did you tone that out? All right, uh, Ms. Dillman, I'm going to ask you a different angle of this question. As a manufacturer, and let's be let's be fair to Melissa. Melissa's a trainer. She's not, you know, um, you know, a, a, a Uber vice president from from you know Kramer in Israel. She's a trainer, so let's you know at least be fair with that way. But she's still a manufacturer, so I can ask this question. How does it feel, or how does it work, um, inside when, let's say, somebody that you have done business with, where you've partnered with, right? Kramer makes video products. They make, um, you know, some control systems. They do some some video stuff. And um, let's say that I don't know, you've partnered with a display manufacturer, right? I'm, I'm making this up. Um, at least I think I am. Um, and suddenly that display manufacturer says, hey, by the way, we have a great video processor over here too. Um, yes, you should still use Kramer's, but we have one too. Um, does that, like, I, I guess I guess the best way to ask this is how does that impact the relationship of these cross-company uh, collaborations? Well, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, you you don't, partner with someone who has a competitive product um, for the most part if it's in direct com competition and if it's a big enough competition you buy them but you know to Chris's point you know on on this side of the table as a manufacturer when you call tech support and you tell me that you've connected my product and it's one of uh, you know 500 different products and manufacturers connected together we do the same thing we go, oh, let's go get our lunch. Let's open the next chapter, right? Because surprisingly, manufacturers don't really like to share their technologies and, and their special sauces with us to tell us, you know, how we can make them all work together. So um, while it's frustrating on, on both sides of the table uh, to, to get that kind of news, because it's really tough for us to troubleshoot someone else's gear. Yeah. As if you call me and it's my gear, one of the techs can throw it on a bench and we can see if we can replicate it. So I think that's sort of a two-way street. Yeah, it is. And it's also... On a positive, Tim. What? On a positive, the end user becomes very smart and fluent in every possible uh, technology mm -hmm. or every different manufacturer's terms and technology because you're, you're literally there in between trying to figure out how this works and... and you know, you're reverse engineering it, basically. Well, and, and here's the thing. This is, watch this. This is why programmers are the most important person in your lineup. <laughs> as, oh, my as, God. As, and this, that ad was, that ad was, was sold by and provided by Tim Albright. <laughs> this is coming from a, from a former programmer. I'm joking. Uh, they are the people, though, that makes everything talk to each other. I'm just saying. Just, just saying. saying. Just saying. No, allegedly eventually. Not allegedly. Eventually, eventually it'll work. Eventually. Day two. Undoubtedly. Day two. Why don't we just keep throwing out some freaking adjectives into this one or adverbs or whatever the hell you want? I failed that class. You're too. from Jersey. Go I on. know. All right. Uh, last but not least, I'm cleaning it up. NSCA unveils a technical assessment tool. This is very interesting. Uh, from our friends over at NSCA.org, quote unquote, the National Systems Contractors Association is excited to announce the release of a new online tool 
that saves time, streamlines hiring, identifies current employees with extraordinary technical skills, and finds the best new candidates, the technical assessment tool. So, a couple of things with this. First, it's interesting, right? I, I, I like the idea. I applaud the idea of trying to get the best qualified candidate. Some issues that that I kind of have is sometimes your green people um, are going to be green and they're probably not going to pass this this assessment tool, right? Um, whether it's getting folks from ITT Technical Institute or, or another trade organization here in St. Louis, we have ITT Tech, we have um, um, Vatterot Technical College. Again, these are for-profit technical uh, colleges. You can get a, an associate's and a, I believe a, a bachelor's in, in electrical engineering. You know, some or obviously we have you know, SLU and um, Southern Illinois University and you know all these other great you know colleges around here but they're not AV colleges, right? This is a bigger conversation that we've had. There is no such thing as an AV college. Yes, there's one or two programs throughout the country. Don't email me. Um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, there's not, you know, this, this grand degree on a, on a giant scale. Like, you know, Duke doesn't have one. Harvard doesn't have one. You know, uh, Notre Dame doesn't have one that I'm aware of. So, Chris, when it comes to this, and we have a lot of friends that, that have gone through a couple of these different programs, how important or how valuable, I guess, is this tool going to be for those green folks? For the ones existing, I can kind of see it, but for those green boys and girls that are coming out of high school, coming out of technical colleges, and they're just getting started in, in the industry, you know, how is this going to work? I don't like the be all end all question or the be all end all answer to, to it. I think it's a start, but why don't we give them some, maybe some hands-on things. I think that would be helpful. Can you identify what this is? Um, you know, type of thing, uh, sort of, you know, when I, when I started this in, 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 in this industry in 98, somebody showed me a BNC cable and I had referred to it as a BNC cable. And they re responded with, you're hired. That's awesome. My degree didn't matter for nothing. As soon as I figured out that that was BNC, they're like, dude, you're, you're here. You're, you're one you're of hired. us. Let's go. That test had one question. Uh, pretty much, I think they killed the question after they showed me the BNC table. Because <laughs> nobody else before me knew what it was. So I broke the test. It's kind of good. Well, and, and... No, uh, it, you, can, you can come with the practical exams and, 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 and the first layer stuff. I mean... Not to dredge up a, a conversation that's all over the internet now regarding CTS, but the CTS was, you know, was that initial test. It wasn't something you were going to give to a, an employee walking in. But the first level CTS was the, you know what, you understand what you're doing. You understand what, you're, what, what we're talking about in our industry, and it was your benchmark. You pass that, you go through. Um, I've taken... Some, you know, I've done interviews early on in my career where they ask you those questions and those, um, you know, things about what, you know, what is uh, BNC, what is RGBH, what does it stand for at the time, you know, that sort of stuff was was common sense, and I think it it, it got you to the next 
with to a next level in the interview. Right. Um, I don't think that this particular thing is going to automatically stamp you out. You're golden. Let's go. Get get your bag. Get your hat. You're you're on the road tomorrow. I don't think that's the intent of it. I think it's more to help um, identify who are the right candidates and who are the people that are you know have somewhat of a pulse as to what we're doing. All right. Uh, Melissa, not only are you a, a, a good, uh, you're Infocom, you know, adjunct faculty, you're obviously Kramer trainer, but you're also heavily involved with AQAV. Let's get, you know, someone who, who's done training once or twice in her life, uh, you know, you, you, your, your perspective on this. Okay. So, um, I don't think any of us have any EST training. Am I correct? I do not know. No. Okay. So NSCA um, has went down an interesting path, and what they're doing is they're going out to these ITT techs and these types of colleges, and they're putting in their training program, which is part of that EST and different levels of it, et cetera. Um, I applaud them for doing that. I think that's awesome. Um, I think if you look at their training program, it is very hands-on. So they actually set up racks and walls and rooms and and you actually have to do the hands-on component. And that's one of the big complaints that we've heard about some other trainings is there's no hands-on aspect to it. So um, I think they've made great strides in doing that. I'm a little nervous about this particular assessment tool. Um, I worry when they say that it can help you find um, extraordinary talent Okay, look, it's 18 sections with no more than, I think, like 20 questions. That does not give you an extraordinary talent. Um, but it is a, it, it's at least something. To me, it's reminiscent of the old CTS prep course or CTS test mm-hmm. that we had when it was online or, you know, online at your computer. It's at least a tool. I like their training programs. I like what I see coming out of their training programs. I think they're a little more focused in life safety than AV, but um, I'm I would be interested to work with them and and see you know where they're at on the AV side of it and uh, certainly offer any help. But it's a it's an interesting approach. So did you hear that, Chuck? Little... Call Melissa. That's what yeah, she's saying. Call Melissa. That's right. Call Melissa, Chuck. Chuck Wilson is the head of NSCA, if you didn't know that. Uh, Mr. Cordell, when it comes to not only you and, and your own personal growth, but also uh, as someone who helps run M3, you know, how do you uh, how do you see this test? You know, it. Uh, I I agree with Melissa. It's commendable that they're that they're putting something out there, and I do all of the technical hiring uh, for our Nashville branch and our Memphis branch and our Huntsville branch. Um, but I'm used to greenhorns you know give me a a guy with a good attitude who's willing to learn uh probably who moved to nashville to be a musician and it didn't work out uh, and we'll turn them into an av pro you know that's kind of what we do and so i don't expect most of the people that i hire on to to have that level of knowledge so the assessment uh would probably just already tell me what hopefully they're already being honest with me about i don't have a lot of experience in most of these areas but i'm willing to learn those are the people that I'm looking for in general anyway. Um, you know, I think maybe for a bigger for a bigger firm, maybe for your Whitlocks or somebody where you're, you know, bringing on maybe guys that came over from other competing large firms that, you know, are talking smack about how awesome they are. Sure. You know what? Why don't you sit down for a couple hours? Let's take this test and let's see, you know, let's just see where you're at. Um, 
and to me that would make a ton of sense when especially when you're dealing with manpower on that scale uh, but you know for the smaller mom and pop firms uh, you know there's nothing a good conversation can uh, can't figure out you know and I do pop in those those not by no means are they gotcha questions, but just kind of probing questions uh, that, that give me an understanding of, of what the potential new hire uh, knows, you know, about what we do. You know, I get tons of audio engineers. It's like, cool, can you hang these speakers? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing is, is you know, I, I've talked with, with George Tucker, big part of AV Nation. He used to work for a manufacturer, and, and one of his main jobs was hiring some of their technical folks and you know there are folks who simply don't take tests well flat out right but he would sit them down and make them solder an xlr connector right um you know that it, it was there's a difference between the practical and the, and the standardized testing right where here here's a box with some gazintas and some gazautas right make it connect to that thing over there and as long as you can do that it, yeah, maybe some of your 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 standardized testing isn't so hot, but maybe you offset it with some of that more of that hands-on stuff to make sure that you you really do know what you're doing. Um, because I, I know folks who have who are book smart, who have no business being in a rack, right? <laughs> who, who couldn't wire, you know, it, it's it's the whole you know um, AV uh, AV uh, nightmares on on Facebook story where the the wire is everywhere and it's a rat's nest and you don't want them touching things. So. Soldering, I think, connectors right now, Tim, or making somebody solder a connector would probably be considered hazing at this point. Oh, be quiet. Uh, <laughs> we still solder. We still, so we well. still do it. Still yeah, asking, I do like the hands on new hire to roll up the sleeves and, and drop some solder. That may be some. Uh, <laughs> that may be that may considered. No, no, no. There's, there's the thing now. You can cold solder. Haven't you seen this thing? It's a little battery operated. Never mind. It's stupid. Yeah. Don't buy it. Um, all right, that's going to do it for this week, kids. Master Chris Nato, thanks for hanging out with me for a couple of days in New York. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at uh, at underscore Chris Netto. Uh, you can find me there on the Twitters and uh, my company, avhelpdesk.com. That's the consultant uh, company I work for. Uh, you can also find me on AV hashtags. I'm part of the team that rolls that out on a weekly basis. And um, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. Maybe more. Okay. Whatever. Uh, also with us is Miss Melissa Doman from Kramer. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And how can people get a hold of you? Oh, you can find me all over the Kramer, Kramer training page. You can find me at Melissa Doman on Twitter um, or mdoman at kramerus.com. All right, very good. And last but not least, Mr. Phil Cordell, Hi-Fi, uh, who has some brand spanking uh, new shows coming out for AV Nation. He, at last. At last. He and, he and his cohort, Mr. Matt Scott, they decided to have a baby. Um, not together. Not together. Aww. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But he and Matt separately, their wives, you know, decided that it was time to procreate for some reason with these gentlemen. So both of them had babies in February, <laughs> and so they've taken some time off from the AV app show. So they have some new ones coming out this month. So uh, pay, pay, pay attention and, and stay tuned for that. But how else can people get a hold of you, sir? Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore AV underscore pro. Find me on my website, theavprofessional.com, or find me on YouTube, youtube.com backslash highfidelity, H-I-P-H-I-D-E-L-I-T-Y. And I also have to add, 
I don't know who's watching this show that hasn't seen the live from New York show that you guys did, but it was awesome. Made me feel like a teenager all over again watching three Carson Dailies, TRL. Wow. Yeah, up from New from Holy a time from It was special. It was a special moment. We were uh, we were apparently <laughs> like, outside the, outside like, the, like two uh, blocks away control. from that very <laughs> location there, Phil. Now, the studio's no longer there. It's like some it, – there, there's actually digital signage covering up. Where where Carson Daly did TSL, right? But uh, but yeah, we're we're about like a block and a half away from the from the uh, Viacom uh, CBS studios. So yeah, it was kind of neat. So cool, man. Don't kid yourself. Every time Tim walked over to the window, the crowd went nuts outside. <laughs> Stack house and dragging everybody up there. Woo! All yeah. the heavy tweeps. Sixty year old sixty year old guys went nuts. All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my name is Tom Albright. Don't follow me uh, at this point. I'm still convincing about the uh, the Bears season, uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Aviation.tv. Aviation.tv. You'll find this very program, Phil's program, uh, a program that, that uh, Mr. Neto did uh, from a comic book shop uh, owned by Jay and Silent Bob. So that was kind of neat. Um, You'll see us live from, from the Times Square. Uh, sign up for our newsletter, if you would, please. We're starting to roll that out slowly but surely. Uh, doing some new things with that this month. Um, and uh, some uh, some new uh, writers, some new voices coming to, to Aviation uh, here in the not-too-distant future. So, aviation.tv, aviation.tv. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. This has been AV Week.